You're listening to Ira on Sports. Time to bring in Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us again. The draft is in the books now. It was a fun one. You did very, very well at picking it like you uh, often do. But I'd like to talk a little bit about the New York Giants. I don't think any Giants fans were prepared for Kadarius Toney coming in at uh, pick number 20. And then you you like our uh, day two and day three selections a lot. Yeah, I, I thought the Giants had the best draft of any team in the NFL. Uh, I, I think they just did a phenomenal job. I, in the first round, they were going to take Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama, then Philadelphia uh, jumps them and gets them. But they had, it could have been a real blessing in disguise because Kadarius Toney is a phenomenal playmaker in his own right. Uh, obviously he doesn't have the thin build concerns that Devontae Smith does. But then when you add in that you got the Bears 2022 first-round pick, uh, that could be pure gold. I mean, it's very easily probably is going to be top 20 uh, and could be as high as top 10. Uh, so that pick could just be uh, such a boon for the franchise that's building around some uh, young quarterback. So uh, definitely, I think they had a great first day. Then they followed it up on day two. Uh, Aziz Ojolari is a really nice scheme fit as a uh, edge rusher in their defense. And then in the third round, Aaron Robinson from UCF was an absolute steal. One of the best man cover corners in the draft, fast, fluid, tall, athletic. Uh, his only issues that cause him to slide is just some problems in zone coverage, kind of paralysis by analysis uh, when he has to read too much. But if you want to play man coverage, this guy can do it. And I think the zone coverage will develop with NFL coaching. So uh, the Giants really just hit it out of the park, I think. I'd love to hear that from Charlie Campbell. <laughs> what do you got, Ian? <laughs> well, Charlie, you really, you've been known to, to hit so much on these drafts. And for one through eight, you were, you were right on with Lance going to San Francisco. Uh, you got the chase to Cincinnati, uh, Waddle to the Finns, and then saw Sewell dropping to, dropping to the Lions and Horn to Carolina. But I guess the one point where it started deviated was you felt that Fields was going to go to Denver, and I think a lot of other people, but Denver surprised everybody in picking the, uh, the cornerback Patrick Sertain, Sertain from Alabama. Yeah, and that, I think, really stemmed from the Aaron Rodgers report that came out the day of the draft, and uh, supposedly Denver is in on trying to make a trade for him. Uh, and so I think that that kind of deterred them from uh, taking a quarterback there at number nine, which I think was a big mistake on their part. But I think that's what led to them uh, deciding to take Sertain and then uh, and not draft a quarterback, but uh, that was really the kind of last-minute shakeup to this year's draft class that really uh, no one saw coming even days earlier. And then, I mean, a lot of people say, "Oh, we've always had this person in mind." But then Dallas, do you think that Dallas was looking to take Sertan and then decided when he was gone at nine, that's why they moved back uh, two spots and then picked Micah Parsons, uh, the linebacker from Penn State. Well, I think Sertain was definitely their their top choice, but I think they, along with any team that's picking in that range of the draft, prepares themselves and that their guy could get snatched out from under them. Someone could trade up, and uh, it's maybe not plan A, but it's now plan B, but they're still getting a player that they really like there in Parsons. So I think that was kind of the view for Dallas. Well, uh, you know, we can we can re- 
with Sertain off the board, we can trade down, uh, get some more ammo, and we know uh, Parsons will be there for us at 12. And then you had Chicago at 20 taking um, Mac Jones, but then they saw an opportunity, were able to move up to 11, and they took Justin Fields instead. Uh, do you saw that it was like what it was sort of like they were the advantage, the chance was there to get Fields, and that's who they wanted, and they were able, they were able to get a draft partner to be able to move up? Yeah, I mean, I think that was just a, a stroke of great luck and a smart move by the Bears because. Uh, I think that if Ryan Pace learned from 2017, when he took Mitch Trubisky instead of Pat Mahomes uh, and Deshaun Watson, and then you see the Chiefs move up to get Mahomes and the Texans move up to get Watson, those two guys have been tremendous. Mahomes already has won a Super Bowl. Trubisky was a bust. Uh, and a lot of the criticism for Fields, where the same criticism get, uh, levied on Deshaun Watson, which is why he slid out of the top 10 and went 12th overall. So uh, if they coach him up and, and give him some support, I think this could end up being a, a really monumental draft for the Bears franchise. And I looked at your summary on Walter.com uh, it, about Rashawn Slater going to the Chargers because everybody's saying, oh, the Chargers, they were so lucky. They got the offensive lineman from Northwestern. He's going to be there for 20 years. It's the greatest thing. And you weren't so high on him, and you felt you're like the one person out there that said, I don't know if this was the, the best offensive lineman they could have taken at 13. Yeah, well, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC went one pick later. And I know from talking to teams, a lot of teams felt that they think Vera Tucker could potentially play left tackle in the NFL. Some teams were skeptical on Rashawn Slater being a left tackle, hence they had him graded late one. Uh, some teams had him graded in the second round because they had him as a guard or center for the NFL. At six foot three, 300 pounds, there are very few left tackles in the NFL uh, that size. You have like Isaiah Wynn with the Patriots, uh, Kelvin Beecham, who's been a journeyman. Um, and so it's just he's really going to buck the norm if he sticks at left tackle. I think he could be a really good guard or center, but I think the lack of length and at that weight, he's going to have some problems with the longer and physical edge rushers, say guys like Bradley Chubb, who's in his division, uh, for example. Uh, so I, I think that that's gonna, a bit of a risky pick because you took a player that's extremely undersized and he just skipped a season. So that's a lost year of development for reps, uh, honing in technique, getting stronger, improving so to me, that was that was a riskier pick. But I know the media really loved Slater, uh, so I'm not surprised that you know the Chargers are getting a lot of praise for that. And Charlie, you were just on fire, and even later in the in the rounds, you uh, had 16 and 17. Zach Collins going to Arizona. The Raiders got Leatherwood from Alabama. The offensive lineman. Not, I mean, you were one of the few people that had that prediction. But the one I liked was that you were strong on the Steelers getting Najee Harris at 24, and they end up getting him at 24, and they got criticized. Oh, you don't draft running backs that whole. You don't draft running backs that early or in the first round per se. But uh, you had them taking. Uh, you were pretty happy with Harris going to the Steelers. Yeah, and I had the Jaguars taking Travis Etienne as well. I had them taking him at 33 uh, instead of 25 where he went. But at any rate, I mean, for the, for I like those picks in different regards. For the Steelers, they're in win-now mode with Big Ben. 
And there's no, no position that can really hit the ground running in the NFL week one out of the gate the way a running back can. So I think with the way their running game struggled last year, Harris is a plug-and-play upgrade for them. Uh, in a team-and-win-now mode, a, a running back that can really charge up that offense and the ground game there, that has a big impact on wins and losses. So I don't have as big a problem with taking him there. And for the Jags with ETN, you know, I think off the field, there's a lot of benefit to that that you might not see with uh, Trevor Lawrence making the transition to the NFL, giving him a player, a uh, guy that he's close with, uh, that they can help each other out in that transition and moving into a new locker room. Sometimes NFL locker rooms uh, can be tough on the golden boy franchise savior kind of quarterback. Uh, so I think having ETN there is a great move for the Jags in that regard. And also he's such a weapon as a check down receiver that Lawrence knows also well. Uh, so I just think that that pick makes sense to helping out uh, the investment in that first overall pick with Trevor Lawrence. And that's the same thing that the Bengals did with Chase uh, Tafer uh, uh, Burrow in terms of bringing his wide receiver from two years ago there. Same thing, familiarity. Instead of going with the offensive lineman, they went with somebody who he played at least uh, a whole season with and had a lot of success with. Yeah, and they were able to get some offensive line help on day two. There was quality depth there. They signed Riley Rice uh, in free agency. They got a veteran tackle as well. So, you know, the the opportunity to get more offensive line help will be there for the Bengals in the years to come. But you won't be able to get Joe Burrow's number one receiver from college uh, next year. You know, that was a one-shot kind of deal there. So uh, in giving him that kind of long-term number one to replace A.J. Green uh, I don't. I'm not critical of that. I think Chase is a good receiver. Maybe Sewell would have been a better pick because I think he's a slightly better player. But I think really you can't go wrong between the two. Uh, and you make that move, maybe helps uh, make your quarterback a little happier. And then you just target more offensive line help here. Uh, in 2022 and years to come. And then similar to that is when Jalen Waddle goes to the Dolphins, um, certainly the wide receiver for Tua uh, two years ago in my in uh, in Alabama. But uh, so I, you seem, when I looked at the report, you seemed happy with the Dolphins draft. We're down here at West Palm Beach, so you, you were pleased with Waddle, Phillips. And, and tell us a little maybe some about the second rounders they actually got. Well, yeah, I mean, I thought the Dolphins really did well in the first round there. Waddle is a special player. He's a rare prospect uh, with his speed and explosiveness, what he can do after the catch, uh, how he really stretches defenses vertically. I think with him and Will Fuller, the Dolphins' offense has just gotten so much faster and more explosive, uh, and that's really going to help open things up in the ground game uh, when they get that going as well. So I thought that was a good pick. I thought Jalen Phillips was phenomenal at 18. Uh, he was the best edge rusher in this draft class. I think if he had gone back to Miami, had one more good year, he would have been a surefire top 10 pick in 2022. Um, but I think also from the off-the-field concerns about the depression and issues that led to him leaving UCLA, it's great that he stays in Miami. 
so he has that same support system and habits uh, in place that led him to be really successful on the field last year for Miami uh, Hurricanes. So I think that's a great pick. And then on the second day, you know, getting some offensive line help, uh, safety help, those were needs. Uh, so I, I felt they did a nice job of addressing those with quality players. Um, and, and I think Miami had another strong draft class, and they used their great positioning uh, from the Laramie Tunsil trade once again uh, to build up more draft capital for future years here. So uh, I think they're doing a nice job of really building that roster and adding talent at a variety of places. Now, who do you think in terms of the draft and dropping? I, I know that Jeremy Asuo Kamaro from Notre Dame, uh, the linebacker, you had him going earlier. His team dropped out of the first round. Anyone, you know, what was the reason for that drop? And some other ones that you were surprised at uh, in terms of, like, maybe they should have gone a little earlier? Well, yeah, Rosa Kamara, uh, I mean, there. I guess there are some concerns medically. I didn't hear that from some teams. Uh, maybe there were some out there, but I did hear some teams concerned about his ability to hold up in the NFL, and I can completely understand that. I was kind of hesitant uh, to project him as a first-rounder when I first started watching him because he's only 6'1", 220, which isn't much bigger than a, or than similar to many safeties in the NFL. So playing linebacker, uh, against bigger offensive linemen, I can see where there's some trepidation there. Um, but, yeah, so he ends up sliding uh, further than expected. I had the Browns taking him in the first, and they got him in the second. So that's a, a – or I'm sorry, I had the Browns taking a linebacker in the first uh, in Jamin Davis, and they ended up getting a Wosu Kamora in the second round, which I think is really good value for Cleveland. Uh, so – uh, definitely, he was one of them. As we said before, Aaron Robinson with the Giants, that was a surprising slide. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, the right tackle from Oklahoma State, sliding uh, well into the second round was a bit of a surprise, and the Bears snatched him up. And Tyson Campbell, the cornerback from Georgia, many expected him to go in the first round, and then he ends up going uh, with the opening pick on, on Friday night. So. Uh, that's a quality value there for the Jags as well because uh, a lot of teams thought he would be gone in the late of a back half portion of the first round. And what was your biggest surprise in terms of someone getting drafted a little earlier than what uh, the chatter out there was that and what, what you thought was going to happen? Well, Peyton Turner, the defensive end from Houston, uh, days before the draft I had written uh, in our rumors that we were hearing he was rising uh, late riser, uh, and that teams thought he would go in the second round and wouldn't get out of the second round. But then the Saints took him uh, in the first round, which was a shock. I do know the Saints tried to trade into the top 10. They wanted J.C. Horn. Uh, they also supposedly wanted Greg Newsome, the cornerback from Northwestern, who the Browns took. So I think when the corners they really liked were gone, uh, the Saints kind of <clears throat> maybe reached a little and overdrafted Turner. He's big, strong, um, but has some limitations for going against big offensive linemen. He beat up on weak competition, uh, is raw, needs development. So a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses and developmental issues as Marcus Davenport, 
who's been a disappointment for the Saints so thus far, but uh, evidently they like that kind of player because <laughs> they just took another one in the first round. And you mentioned, we talked a little bit earlier about Aaron Rodgers and, of course, the big story of the day. And I don't remember how, which, how you had graded Jordan Love because that's one of the things that I've been thinking of is that if, if Jordan Love was the next, next Patrick Mahomes, the Packers would not be so concerned that Aaron Rodgers is saying he doesn't want to play here. They probably would just trade him whenever. But the fact is no one has seen Jordan Love throw a football in two years except for Aaron Rodgers. And probably Aaron Rodgers has said, look, he's not so special or something or else he wouldn't be making the noise that he's making right now especially if he wants to stay in Green Bay. So what was your opinion coming out, I guess if you've heard anything later, but also your opinion of Jordan Love coming out of Utah State uh, last year? I wasn't a big Jordan Love fan. I thought he was raw, needed development, had a quality skill set, but just in terms of field vision and accuracy, uh, I thought he needed a lot of work, uh, and I I, I didn't feel that his final season at Utah State, that the tape was very impressive. So I didn't see him as a first-round pick. And I thought for Green Bay, when they took him, it was one of the worst picks in draft history, in my opinion. Because uh, in the, one and of so the did Aaron Rodgers. He felt the same thing. So. Yeah, I mean, you're in win-now mode with an elite quarterback who's aging. And you could have, you know, last year, they're in the NFC championship game. They could have had a first round pick that would have helped them to cover uh, the Bucks receivers or an offensive lineman to help protect Rogers. But instead they got a guy riding the pine. And so it just did nothing for them in terms of winning a Super Bowl uh, right now with their quarterback, who's going to the hall of fame uh, while he's still playing at a high level, you did nothing to help them. So I hated it from that perspective. But what I also hated was they're doing a one foot in, one foot out. And that really doesn't work that well because one of the great advantages in the NFL is having your starting quarterback on a rookie contract. That's why the Jets traded Sam Darnold and reset their contract situation there. Those rookie contracts are cheap. So if you have your starting quarterback on that five-year deal, it lets you spend – you know, lavishly elsewhere on the roster. We've, we've seen the Browns do it. We've seen the Bills do it. The Chiefs did it with Mahomes, led to a Super Bowl. Uh, it just, it's a great advantage. But when you're paying Aaron Rodgers 30-some million a year and you have the cheap, you're using cheap years for Jordan Love, you're just, it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to move on, uh, and you really believe in Jordan Love, then I think you, you take him and you trade Aaron Rodgers. But uh, uh, if you you know want to win now with Rodgers, then I don't think you take Jordan Love. I think they just they have one foot in the door and one foot out. They couldn't make their mind up. It was a bad pick. I think they should have tried to trade Jordan Love and extend Rodgers uh, in this draft. Uh, and right now, that's what I would do. I'd admit the mistake if I was Green Bay. But, uh, you know, they obviously feel differently about Jordan Love. So uh, they're now in a really difficult position with Rogers, their fans, uh, and really their whole locker room. <laughs> 
We've been talking to Charlie Campbell of Walter Football, definitely one of the best draft reports uh, out there, if the best draft report out there. Um, one last question before you go. I know. Thank you for coming on. Is the 2022 draft? I know that's a, a year away, but I looked at if you go on WalterFootball.com, you get to see what you're talking about. And I love college football, so I use your reports for even looking at 2022 and 2023 to see what players. When I'm a big, you know, when you're watching a college football game, which players are draft, you know, potential. Even if I if I don't really care what team's playing, I like to look at some of those players. Um, what are the quarterbacks next year that we should be watching uh, in the 2022 college football season? Well, I think Tyler Shue from Oregon probably would be the top one in terms of skill set and ability. Um, then after him, I think uh, check out Sam Howell from North Carolina. Uh, might not have a first-round skill set. We'll see uh, as we get further into it. Uh, maybe he does. Maybe he's like Mac Jones kind of caliber. Uh, Matt Coral uh, from um, uh, Old Miss. Really, yeah, he really came on last year. It'll be interesting to see what he does, uh, you know, developing under Lane Kiffin, uh, who's a good offensive mind. So uh, I'm really interested in seeing how he plays this season. So those would be some of the top guys uh, to watch going in. Uh, but next year doesn't look as strong just at this point. But you never know. There could be some Joe Burrow guys out there that uh, everyone right now isn't even considering, and they come out of nowhere uh, to become the number one overall pick. And I, it, it's not just Joe Burrow. Kyler Murray was the same way. Everyone thought he was going to be playing pro baseball, first-round pick by the A's, uh, thought he'd play one year of college football, and then – move on to his baseball career, but he ends up uh, becoming the number one overall pick to the Cardinals and a franchise quarterback. So uh, you never know. It's, it's great to see the process evolve. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so I can't wait for college football to get started. It feels like it's been a long time already, and we still have a few more months to go. <laughs> well, Charlie, let's get, just get your engines recharged. The football's going to start, but I really appreciate you uh, coming on. And uh, we, uh, two weeks before the draft, you gave some great previews, and now to come out two weeks after and do this recap, I really appreciate it. I suggest everybody go on WalterFootball.com. It is one of the best sites out there, if not the best site out there for the draft. So thank you again, Charlie, for coming on Iron Sports. Thanks for having me. Great talking with you guys.